to be able to preach to you from this awesome book, the book of Deuteronomy, a book that shows the beauty of obedience. If ever there was a time that we need to learn this beauty, it sure is now. So 459 degrees minus 459 degrees is what's called absolute zero. It is at that temperature that all activity ceases. So it's as cold as it can possibly get, which means that H2O, water, vapor, ice, would be completely frozen solid at minus 459 degrees. Now, here's the amazing thing. You can notch up the temperature from minus 459. You can notch it up one notch at a time. 491 times. And there will not be a single change in the ice. But if you do it 492 times, one more time, all of a sudden, the entire compound begins to change, and the frozen solid of ice begins to melt and become water. And you might want to say, what a miracle that all of a sudden at 32 degrees, this solid becomes liquid. But what you might not have been noticing is that 491 degrees had passed before you got to the breakthrough moment. And that's how obedience is. Real obedience to God means doing the right things in the right ways consistently. We do that over and over and over, and oftentimes we don't notice any breakthrough at all. And then one day, there's a miraculous breakthrough. This is how athletes excel. It's not that they suddenly wake up one day and have all these new skills or talents. Instead, they just did the fundamentals well over and over and over until one day they had a breakthrough. This is how people become wealthy, at least here in the U.S., is you do the right things over and over again. You save a little money, you invest it, you, uh, you practice a little bit of modesty in how you live, and one day with the economy, you just wake up and you got a pretty nice savings there. It happens in nature. So a bamboo stalk will spend five years putting its roots down. And for those five years, it will look like a blade of grass. And then all of a sudden, once it has its roots down after those five years, it shoots up in a short period of time to be a 90-foot stalk. What you don't realize is that it has been spending all that time in preparation for its breakthrough moment. So I've challenged you guys last week to come up with three things where you think you could grow in your obedience to God. You remember that? So if you weren't with us last week, all you have to do is go, go online. You'll see the notes from last week, and you'll see where the challenge was laid forth. And what I want you to see today is this. If you'll do the right things, the right ways, over a period of time, for a long time you may notice no difference. But then comes the breakthrough. Deuteronomy is a book about obedience. But this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 reminds us that oftentimes the blessings of obedience, that breakthrough that you're hoping for, if it has to do with weight loss or I'm going to quit smoking or I'm going to start, you know, investing better or I'm going to, I'm going to be a better father or a better wife, a better husband or whatnot, oftentimes we can do the right things, but we don't notice any change, not for a long stretch of time. 
The Bible predicts this when Paul says about the Holy Spirit that he changes us, notice this, from one degree of glory to another, just like that block of ice can go 491 degrees before it gets its breakthrough moment. I want to encourage you with the book of Deuteronomy to think today about the areas of obedient growth you should experience in your life. And then I'm going to encourage you to think about it as one step at a time. This is how I'll get my breakthrough. So Deuteronomy is a collection of three sermons, a song, and a statement of blessings and curses. Its theme is summarized at the very end in chapter 30, where Moses preaches, says this, walk in obedience and God will bless you. But I have to say this, and by the way, this is your first fill in the blank, so we do have the notes available, and I've got some blanks that you can fill in that'll help you track with the lesson, that it can be very difficult for us to walk in obedience in a world that's in rebellion, and to be honest, in a world where my own willpower is broken. Because honestly, it's not so much the world that's making me sin, it's the fact that I like sin. Most of us like it. We like the short-term pleasures of our sins, even though they bring long-term pain. And so sometimes it can feel as though if I'm trying to be obedient in a disobedient culture, it can feel as though I'm going up the down staircase. Let me help you with that. Let me help you think through how you can grow in obedience this year and enjoy the blessing. So I did ask you last week, would you come up with three areas where you'd like to grow in your obedience? If you'll turn to the back side, which is page number six of the notes that are available. By the way, these notes are available online again and also at our campuses. You'll see that I've given even seven rubrics, seven areas where you might consider growing in your obedience. Uh, things like I'm going to grow, I'm going to have a better devotional life every day. I'm going to pray with my family or I'm going to, I've made a commitment, I'm going to be a better parent this year, or I'm going to work hard, I'm going to stop being lazy, this is the year, I'm going to give up some bad habit, or this is the year that I'm going to only do positive and encouraging things on social media. There's some commitment where you need to grow. I asked you last week, can you come up with three? Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I came up with three, and then I said two is all I can manage. So I've got two, and I'm committed to them this year. I'm going to do them, whether it's easier or whether it's not, I'm going to do them because I need to grow in my obedience. I did mention this, that if you'd like to, you can write those three in code language. That way nobody else will see what you wrote and they won't hound you or nag you because they're still like, well, you said you're going to do it. And you're it was kind of cool because last week when I said you can write it in code language, one of the parents sent me this picture and said, well, my daughter wrote her three in code language. And I actually think we might have invented a new language. So North Boulevard, now a tongue-speaking church, it appears. Anyway, so what I'm saying is this. Once we have decided these are the areas that I can grow in my obedience to God, there are going to be two virtues that help you get through it. They're found in this text, the text we're going to look at today, where Moses says, go take possession of the land, and he says two things. Don't be afraid and don't become discouraged. So I want to put those in a positive light. Not, not because I think they're inadequate as they are, but I want to give it to you sort of as a juice that'll help you really find the breakthrough God is offering you. So here's how I want to put it. The two things that will help you make those three growth areas happen. The two things, the virtues that will help you have a breakthrough moment. So you be thinking, what is the breakthrough moment that you need this year? The two things will help you get that. 
First, confidence that God's going to help you. God's on your side. So I know what my two are, and I am just saying, all right, Lord, I'm handing it over to you. I may not have the power, but I know you do. I'm going into it with confidence. I'm not going into it with fear. Like you with me, right? So let's say you're going to give up a bad habit. You got an addiction. You're saying this is the year. Like don't go into it with all these thoughts of, well, I just don't know if I can do it. I've tried so many times. You know, I'm just a low-down sinner and every thought I have is bad thought. Don't do that. Go into it this way. Walk into it saying, I am a man of God. God is on my side. He wants me to have a breakthrough. He wants me to win. And he's going to get me through this. That's confidence. That's what Moses says. Go take the land and don't be afraid. And the second term, don't become discouraged, which I'm turning to its reverse, which is to be discouraged means you give up. You just give up. You run out of heart, so you give up. I'm going to say the opposite is be persistent. Be persistent. Just say, look, all right, if I fall down, I'm just going to get back up because God wants me to be obedient. So, in the series, we do have the notes. They're available on the app. They're available online. And also, I just want to make one more promo for the notebook. We don't, like, I don't need you to get the notebook. It's not for me. But I do want you to know that we do have this notebook. It's available. It's available at the campus. You can call the office. And it'll just give you a place to collect the notes. I expect we'll have 100 or, I don't know, maybe 150 pages by the time it's over with. Some of it, sermon notes. And some of it, like with uh, this morning, people groups of the Old Testament. Think of it as kind of commentary that will go along with the book that we won't even talk about in the lesson. So, let's go back to our book of Deuteronomy. Let me remind you, Deuteronomy is simply the three final sermons Moses preaches before he dies. That's all it is. It's very easy to remember. It's three sermons, then he sings a song to the church, and then he gives them an offering of blessings and curses, and the book's over with. They're just about to enter the land that God had promised them, and Moses gives them three sermons. We're in the first of those sermons today in which he goes back and talks about the historical background. So let me read the text. We'll make just a few observations, and then I want to help you with the three growth areas you've identified. So I'm just going to stop again. In fact, I'm just pause. Have y'all picked your three areas yet? I see several of you nodding your head online. Are you nodding your head? Is that you nodding your head? Have y'all picked your three growth areas? I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to keep going until you have. So we're just going to sit here. Um, pick your three. <laughs> yeah, a lot of you are saying, no, please don't do that. I'll pick them if that's what we have to do. So find three areas. I want you to see this text will give you confidence and persistence, which will help you find a breakthrough. Verse 6, Deuteronomy chapter 1. Open your Bible. You want to follow me. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb. Horeb is another name for Sinai, by the way. So Moses is going back 40 years. He's talking about how they got to where they are, and he has to go back 40 years ago. You've stayed long enough at this mountain, he says. God, this is God speaking. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites, uh, go to all the neighboring peoples of the Arabah, in the mountains, the western foothills, the Negev, the coast, the land of the Canaanites, to the Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates. So the Israelites in this text, they have just left Egypt. They're at Sinai just a few months down the road. They've gotten the law. God says to them, you're 11 days from Kadesh Barnea. It's time to go to Kadesh Barnea. It's an 11-day journey by foot. It's time for you to get up, go. I'm going to give you the land. This was 40 years ago. 
He describes the lamb, by the way, as running essentially all the way from the Gulf of Aqaba to the Euphrates River. It was a large land when you think about it compared to what other people groups had. Um, Israel, because of disobedience, never really attained the full boundaries that God had promised. They came close to it in Solomon's day. It's also a land that, as this text describes, has all sorts of geological features that are fascinating. We'll get a chance to talk about those as we get into it. But I just want you to see that Moses is saying, remember 40 years ago, God said, let's go take the land. It's a great land. And so they set out to take the land. And that leads us to verse 8. See, he says, I've given you this land. Go and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So, the idea, it's time to go get your promise. You're now free from your slavery in Egypt. God wants you to have this land. So, they're getting ready to set out, and we find this odd thing at verse 9. So, chapter 8, excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 8, they're getting ready to set out. And at verse 9, all of a sudden, there's a, a big parenthesis in the text. It's an interruption to the narrative flow. All of a sudden, Moses, who's telling the story of how they left Sinai to go to the promised land, says, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you I appointed judges too. And I've often asked myself the question, what's going on with this interruption? Why is it that the Bible sometimes will interrupt its own narrative to tell something that that honestly doesn't seem very relevant to us as modern readers. Let's hear what he has to say, and then I'll explain what I think is going on in the text. So, verse 9, at that time I said to you, you're too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. The Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you're as numerous as the stars of the sky. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? Choose some wise, understanding, and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will set them over you. So, what's going on? Why does Moses stop in the middle of the narrative of how they left Sinai to go to Kadesh Barnea to tell about the appointment of judges? And I think the answer is found in, the verse, in verse 11 where he says, you've become as numerous as the stars of the sky. He's pausing to say, God was faithful to the promise to make you an innumerable nation. So it's a way of Moses saying, hey, God already promised that he was going to do something for you. He's going to make you so many people that you can't count them all. And he's put it right here because he wants them to know, and he's also going to give you the land. So the bottom line of the text, God is faithful to his promises. I think there's another reason. So let me read a little bit further and we'll talk about the other reason. You answered me, what you propose to do is good. So I took the leading men of your tribes, wise and respected men, and I appointed them to have authority over you as commanders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and as tribal officers, officials. I charged your judges at the time, hear the disputes between your people and judge fairly. I just want you to notice what he says here that justice matters. We're going to come back to that in a second. Whether the case is between two Israelites, between an Israelite and a foreigner residing among you, do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of anyone, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. And at that time, I told you everything you were to do. So, the second reason Moses pauses his narrative of their leaving Sinai and going to Kadesh Barnea is he wants to say, we're going to have justice when we get to our land. Now, can I just pause for a moment? So, I really wrestled with whether to say anything at all about this past week. So, if I don't say anything about this past week, 
for many of you, I've, I've neglected a responsibility as, uh, I don't mean it charismatically, but as a prophetic voice of God. For others of you, you're thinking, can we not even just go to church and not have to think about this? For some of you, you're thinking, man, well, he went off on progressivism, but watch, he won't say anything about Trump supporters. Others of you, I just want you to know, I've had three different people on my right call me this week and tell me that I've let them down for not really going off on the left. I kind of feel like there's not a whole lot I can say to win right now. Let me just say this. Let me say two things. The first thing I want to say is, it is true. I am culturally and um, economically conservative, and I can't hide it. It's, it squeaks out of me. There are a lot of issues that I'm probably not that conservative on. For example, on racial issues, on the environment and things like that. But I do want to say this, and I, ha I have talked about progressivism. Uh, you know what I think about it. I've not hidden it. But I just want to say, when I see Christian symbols, as I saw this past week, next to Confederate flags and AK-47s, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed by that. And I just want to say, we can, guys, we can do better than that. Look, you can stand for Jesus, and you don't have to be all giddy about either Trump or Biden. You don't, to, to say, I don't agree with this, doesn't mean you're all the way on the other side. Really, Christians have a third way. We've got a third route here. We've got a higher route. We've got a nobler route. We have a route that, ha that practices virtue. We have a route that's not always screaming at other people. And I'm going to tell you the reason there's so much unhappiness in America right now is because nobody thinks they're getting justice. I mean, that's what happened this week. Those who were marching on Washington, they were there because they feel like they're not being treated justly over the course of the summer. Those who were marching and protesting, they were marching and protesting because they felt like they weren't getting justice either. For all I know, nobody is. But here's what I can tell you. When Moses preaches this sermon, he is envisioning a people who have a higher calling than all this, the garbage we're seeing going on in our country. And we've got to be that people. We've got to be the one place where you can go. We have to be the one place where you can go where there is a higher and nobler way of acting, even though we have sincere, deep disagreements with one another, where there's a higher and nobler way of acting, where we can disagree with one another and still show love. So when Moses inserts this, he's saying, look, don't show partiality. I don't care if they're poor. I don't care if they're rich. I don't care if they're Israelites or foreigners. We got to be a people of justice. So can I just say that? And I'll move on because we got we got a lot of text to cover here. But I just want to say this is, I think, the second reason why Moses pauses to say, I appointed judges, because he wants to make sure the people of Israel practice justice. We're supposed to be different from everybody else. So there you go. My two cents. If you don't like it, send it to any email. I mean, send an email to any elder, and they'll take care of it for you, I'm sure. I'll give you their cell numbers. <laughs> Verse 19, then as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went to the hill country, the Amorites, through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you've seen, and we reached Kadesh Barnea. So here we are. The Israelites have taken the 11-day walk to Kadesh Barnea. They're perched on the edge of the land of promise. By the way, the Amorites, or as they were often called by other people, the Amuru, were a, it was a very important um, uh, ethnicity in Moses' day. And we'll get a chance to talk about them. For whatever reason, God had decided the Amorites are among the worst people. It's 
so we'll get a chance to talk about them. But there were many Amorite cities in the land to which the Israelites were going. They're now perched on the edge of Amorite territory, according to the book of Deuteronomy. We'll talk more about that in uh, subsequent lessons. And so Moses continues his lesson, his sermon. I said to you, you've reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. So here's what he's saying. The ice is going to turn to the water. It's about to turn to water. You're right on the edge of a breakthrough. It's like, remember, you can go from negative 459 to positive 31 degrees, and the ice changes not one bit. But when you cross to 32, it melts. Moses is saying, guys, we were right on the edge. We were at 31 degrees looking across the land. We were almost there. And here's what he says to them. The Lord has given you the land. Go up, take possession of it. As the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You're going to see in next week's lesson, they were both afraid and discouraged. And that's why it took them 40 years to get there. But not this week. All of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us. To bring back a report about the route we're to take and the towns uh, we will come to. So the idea seemed good to me. So I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left, went up to the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruits of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it's a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. So they're at Kadesh Barnea. They send some spies or scouts on a reconnoitering trip up. They go up and when they get there, they discover that it is a bountiful land. It's actually pretty cool. Numbers 13 says that they came back with three different kinds of fruit. They came back with, with figs, and figs, at that time, figs were like um, energy food. They would pack figs into cakes. I don't know how to describe it, but squeeze them into cakes. You would take it into battle. It was like an MRE. You could, you could you did meals ready to eat. You just eat it in burst of energy. The pomegranate it was a very sensual fruit. <laughs> I'd be careful what I say, but when you open a pomegranate, there's all these seeds. It's a luscious looking fruit anyway. And it was considered to be, um, how do I say this? Let's just say a fruit that men and women enjoyed. I'm not trying to be dirty. I'm just telling you that's what they saw when they looked at it. In fact, the rabbis, now I'm way off, but the rabbis said there are 613 seeds in the average pomegranate, which by the way, if I know rabbis, they literally counted. And they thought that's not a coincidence because there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. So what they would say is in the same way that the pomegranate brings great blessings and it helps you have many babies in the same way, there are 613 laws in the Old Testament and they will give you a great blessing in life. And then there was the third, and that was the grapes. In fact, the word eshkol means grape cluster. And uh, so one of the most famous images from the book of Numbers and from the book of Deuteronomy is this image. And our own Megan designed this image. But the book of Numbers says that the cluster of grapes they found was so large, it took two men to string them across a pole, put it on their shoulders, and carry it back. That's how big the cluster of grapes was. I was in Eshkol not too long ago, but three or four years ago. I was staying at a, a hostel, kind of a, just a cheap B&B type place. I went out back, and I just noticed just almost dangling from the trees, a cluster of grapes. 
there in the Valley of Eshcol, and I want to show you this because, first of all, it was a really big cluster of grapes. And I was just shocked because Eshcol is almost a desert. It's, it's semi-arid. It's very close to a desert. And yet here were some of the prettiest grapes you've ever seen still growing there. In fact, not only are they growing there, but there are a number of vineyards down in the area of Eshcol even today. I'm telling you this not because I want you to drink wine. I'm telling you this because I want you to realize the Bible didn't make this stuff up. It's real. In fact, there is a vineyard that produces a wine down in this area of Eshcol that's called the Kadesh Barnea wine, if you can believe it. The Bible is actually telling a true story. And so every time you see that image of these two guys carrying the grapes, what you're seeing is God's promise. What I'm about to give you is going to be awesome. The blessing of obedience is awesome. Are you following? The blessing of obedience is awesome. The problem, as I said, is that it's also hard. It's hard because everything pushes against us because we're going up the down escalator. It's hard. So using our text, let me give you a few very quick points that will help you go from absolute zero minus 459 degrees. I'm going to get you right up to 31 degrees. And when you walk out the door, you got to get it to 32. That'll be your breakthrough. Here's the first thing. Ask God for strength. So the opening, the opening sentence here in verse 6, the Lord said to us, just remind yourself, God, when you decide to obey. So I've made my commitments. I don't want to tell you what they are. You know what? Honestly, why I don't want to tell you what my commitments are. I'm just going to be honest with you. I probably will have to tell you at some point because I'm not really good at not just t like vomiting out everything I feel. It just comes out at some point. But I don't want to tell you because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to tell you what I think I need to do. But I'm going to remind myself, and you should do, God can do this. I may not be able to. Maybe I've tried it a hundred times, but I'm telling you, God can do it. Whatever you've written down, God can do it. That's one reason why Celebrate Recovery works. What, what are the opening sentences of Celebrate Recovery? We realized we were powerless, but there's one who's not powerless, and he's on your side. When God commands you to do something, this is your next blank. He gives you the strength to obey. So what does God say when they're down there at Sinai? He says, you've spent enough time at Sinai, it's time to get up and let's go march. So this is my second point. I'm helping you get from 30 degrees to 31 degrees. Whatever you wrote down, you wrote down something, you said this, it was in code language, you said I want to grow in obedience in these areas, I'm going to kick this bad habit, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take a break from social media. Whatever it is that you think, I need, I need better obedience. I'm helping you get there. The second thing is, do something today. So I'm plugging into that spirit of New Year resolutions. And here's what I know. I, like, I can tell you this from experience, but I've also done enough reading on it to tell you it's true. Your New Year's resolution will fizzle out by the second week of February. Whatever you resolve by second week of February, it's toast, unless you act now. So I do something today. Go home and do something. Start the ball rolling. Start that degree, uh, those degree changes. Start them happening now. Get it up and rolling now. God says, hey, it's, you've spent long enough down here at Sinai. Get up and go. Einstein once said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. What he means is if you'll do something today and then you'll do something tomorrow and then you'll do something the next day, at some point you wake up and you got a million dollars in the account. 
look, you don't even have to do that much. Two minutes a day sometimes is all the change you need. Number three, trust the promises of God. So I just want to encourage you to do this. When you think to yourself, I don't know if I can do this. I've tried so many times. It doesn't work. I'm so weak. I'm, I'm irritable with myself. When you think all of that, let me refocus your attention. Remind yourself that God has made enormous promises. And let the promises of God drive you. I've learned this in life. There are two, of course, I'm not the first to say this. The two great motivators in life are what? Everybody know? Online, what are they? The two great motivators of life, pleasure and pain. Everybody knows that. Which one makes you move faster? Pain. So, if, like if somebody lights a match, you know, under your seat, I don't know where that came from. If they do that, though, you move fast. You put your hand on a stove, you move fast. Which one, however, will sustain you longer? Pleasure. Every time. So what I'm suggesting is maybe the pain of where you are has motivated you to act, but if you will focus on the promises of God, that will sustain your action a whole lot longer. Just trust that God is faithful to his promises. He's going to do what he says. And there's this one. Get the help you need. If you have made a promise, this is the year I'm going to grow in this area of obedience. My friends, listen, get the help you need. Don't wait on this. If you wait three weeks, it's over. Don't wait. Go to CR tomorrow night. Call up a friend and say, all right, I've made a pledge on this. I'm confessing it to you. I'm not making you responsible. Don't make anybody else responsible for your behavior. You're going to hate them, and they're going to hate you before it's over with. I mean, in a nice Christian way, but it's going to happen. What I'm suggesting is ask them, will you just ask me about Will you just hold me accountable? You're not in charge, but hold me accountable. Get the help you need, and don't wait. Moses says, I can't carry all your burdens. I need help. He didn't wait. He didn't wait till they got to the land of promise. He set it up before they even left. Which leads me to my next one. Build obedience into your daily schedule. See, a big part of our problem is we think, okay, it's time for me to, let's say, I'm going to lose weight. It's time for me to lose weight. So, let's see. Every day, this is how I've been eating for the last 60 years. I think I'll lose weight and just keep doing it the same way I've been doing it. That's nuts. It doesn't work that way. If you realize I, I need a change in my life, you need also to change your methods, change your schedule. Even a small change can make an enormous difference, which leads me to my next one. Start small to end big. So many of you are now familiar with the book. I think it's a New York Times bestseller. It's certainly been a bestseller for about a month now by James Clear, Atomic Habits. So I've read the book. It's a great book, by the way. A lot of these uh, books on goal setting, on developing good habits, what you might call self-help books. I've read a lot of them, and actually almost every one of them I love, including this. I think there may be a few things in here I wouldn't agree with, but it's a great book. When I first saw the title, I thought, oh, he's talking about these big explosive changes in your life, and like that's just intimidating for a lot of us. Then when I, as I began to read it, I realized, no, no. Clear, by the way, he had a serious injury as a, as a young man. Uh, he was hit in the face with a baseball bat bad enough they weren't sure he was going to live. I mean, it just smashed his face. And through, this is what he means by atomic. He doesn't mean it like an explosion. He means subatomic particle, little itsy-bitsy tiny changes turned his whole life around. Toby became, you know, a fantastic athlete. And, uh, you know, evidently a really successful author, too, because he sold three million copies of his book, which means he's super wealthy now, too. But here's what he says. 
He says, if you can just get 1% better every day, 1%. So sometimes we really do have to go cold turkey, by the way. I'm not saying don't go cold. Like, I, listen to this. This is a true story. I baptized a woman who was a Hindu. It's, one of my, uh, it's not my first Hindu baptism, but one of my first. Early on, this was years ago. I did a Bible study with her. I was so proud of her. By the way, she's a wonderful human being. I, I love her to death. Seriously, seriously wonderful. I'm, I do a Bible study with her. We've got, everything's right over the point. We're getting ready to baptize her. It's like Tuesday night. I'm going to take her down and baptize her. We're sitting in my office at church. This was in another state. And uh, I'm getting ready to baptize her. And she says, oh, I got one more question. I said, okay, what is it? She said, now, when I'm baptized, can I keep all my other gods too? I was like, wait, what did I do wrong here? No, you can't keep your other gods. If you're going to follow Jesus, he's the only God. You can't have another God. And it just dawned on me, man, somehow I like really started at the wrong place with her that she didn't realize. And she said, okay, well, I'll just let them all go. And I, what I said to her is, you're going to have to go cold turkey on that. You can't do that a little at a time. When you follow Jesus, you're renouncing all other gods. Sometimes you have to go cold turkey. But listen, a lot of times a one degree change can steer the course of your destiny. If you set out from L.A. on a flight and you're headed for New York City and you change it by one degree, you know where you'll land? Washington, D.C. And evidently you don't want to be there right now. But I'm just suggesting one degree can make that much difference. If you are in a spacecraft and you fly away, if you're Elon Musk or whatever, you're headed for the moon and you're one degree off, you know how many miles you'll miss the moon by? Something in the vicinity of like 20 million miles off. One degree matters. So what I'm encouraging you sometimes, just start small. Start with two minutes. Just two minutes. Start today. Do it now. Call somebody today. Say, here's what I want to do. I want to grow in this area. Call them today and say, I'm just going to take a couple simple steps every day. Another thing that uh, James Clear says that I really like, he says, stack your obedience. So, for example, attach your new behavior to an old behavior that you already enjoy. Y'all, the first house Julie and I lived in when we moved to Murfreesboro, you remember the first house? Uh, down on uh, Maymont, right, Maymont? It had a hot tub. We bought it from an orthodontist and he'd put a hot tub out back. Now, I just want you to know, I was not even remotely interested in the hot tub. <laughs> a little joke. Um, it was really nice because it's out on this deck. I, I called it a baptistry and that way nobody thought anything about it. But here's what I would do. If I had to make some difficult phone calls, which occasionally ministers have to do, I'd go out in the hot tub and I'd make, I'd be, I was talking to you in a hot tub. All that noise, you thought it was the rain. I was in a hot tub. Because what I had decided was, if it's going to be a miserable call, and they're not all miserable, but every once in a while they are, then I'm going to at least enjoy it. So I'd sit back in the hot tub and yeah, that was me in the hot tub. And we were all talking about problems and all that sort of stuff. But what I realized was it made the call a lot more easy to do. That's what Clear is arguing. If you got some really difficult thing, attach it to something you enjoy. You like a cup of coffee in the morning, use that time to pray. So instead of saying, well, I'm going to do my cup of coffee, which I really enjoy, and then i got to do that devotional. That's, there's no energy in that. There's no way to win. That's a way to deny the two things that we're arguing that you need. Remember, confidence and persistence. And then the last point, envision yourself as God wants you to be. I just think it's phenomenal that they brought back what? Grapes, figs, and pomegranates. And they just held it in front of them. The spies came back and they just showed, look, 
This is where we're going. They had, they'd been in the desert. They'd been slaves in Egypt for generations. They were down in the Sinai, which is a dreadful place to be. It's a frightening place to be. And all of a sudden, can you imagine what it was like when the 12 spies came in? And they have between their shoulders a cluster of grapes so large it takes two men to carry it. They're showing these, these uh, figs that you, you mash them together and it makes it, you know, fig cake, fig newtons. All they had was manna. Quail, nothing of fig newtons. And then the pomegranates, those red, luscious, attractive fruit. And it's like, okay, that's what we want. I'm suggesting this. In order for you to find the obedience, the blessing of obedience that God is offering in confidence and persistence, just envision what it's going to look like when God gets you where you're going. What's it going to look like? So here's the procession. Today you make a decision. I'm going to be obedient. When you discipline yourself, even if it's two minutes a day, that discipline will become a habit. And what is a habit played out over time? It's just a character. It's who you are. And once your character is set, so is your destiny. So let's go back. Mine is 459 degrees. You have to go 491 degrees for ice to melt. And you may not even think about it, but these icebergs calving off of this uh, glacier, they were there for 10,000 years while the temperature went 15, 16, 17, 18. And then one day it hit 32, and a glacier became an iceberg in the same way. If we will be very, very persistent and confident in our obedience to God, it may feel like nothing's changing, but the day comes when the breakthrough occurs. You know, since we've gone online, it's become difficult for you to know what to do at that closing song. We have a closing song. We used to call it an invitation song. still an invitation song. Those of you who are online, you can't, I mean, you can't do anything here. And those of you who are here, a lot of you would like to, You'd like to have prayers, but you don't want to come down and know that the cameras are pointing at you and all that. So let me, let me suggest that for the next few weeks, let's do this. We have two prayer rooms that are online, one for males and one for females. They're already online. You can click on them now, go there, and there will be somebody there who will pray with you. Those of you who are in person and live here at this campus, rather than coming down, let me invite you to go back. We did this at first service, and people actually went back. We've got individuals back in the back who would just pray with you. They'll coach you. They'll help you find the resources you need. And that'll give you a realistic way to say, okay, the book of Deuteronomy made sense today, whether David did or not. Deuteronomy did, and I want to do something about it. Guys, obedience brings a powerful blessing. Those who are confident and persistent will find it. Let's stand up and sing. You tell one of us if we can help you.